Welcome to Church Unscripted this week. And we're excited you're here with us. Um, if you have not yet subscribed, please subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you can hear when the next episode comes on. And like if you have something that you want to connect with us on, um, you can comment as well. I'm here with Pastor Eric and Pastor David. Um, and we just started a new series, The Table. I'm pretty excited about that. So Eric, can you kind of give us a little bit of a summary of today and what um, you spoke on? Yeah, sure can. So it really, it came from this realization, uh, especially as you read through the book of Luke, that uh, Jesus spends a ton of time around the table. And so one of the quotes that I made was, um, I can't remember the author who said it, but uh, Jesus is either going to a meal, he is at a meal, or he's coming from a meal. And so when you study the different meals that Jesus is, is at, you discover that the table is really a significant part of his ministry. So uh, what I did today is I just started it off by referencing Luke chapter seven, where uh, Jesus says the son of man came eating and drinking, which I think surprises us because especially in the Jewish mindset, the, uh, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, uh, he might eat and drink, but that's not why he's coming. I mean, he's coming to conquer and and you know, destroy the kingdom of hell, all that kind of stuff. And, and so I think it's a surprise that the, the method that Jesus used to spread his message of hope to the world was through the platform of a table. And so really what it did is it gave us the opportunity to recognize that the table in our kitchen or our dining room, even a table at a coffee shop, you know, whatever it is, is, is not just a piece of furniture. It's a platform where we can share our faith and our culture and our, and the DNA of our home to the people who, who we're trying to reach. And so I think it's, it's really a call for hospitality. It's a call for generosity. It's a call to, to use the, the gift of a table that God has given us, um, to, be a platform for evangelism and hospitality. So that's kind of the direction that I went with today. And um, there's a lot of scripture that shows us that that's the heart of God too. When when the, the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord of good, it's in the context of, of a table. In fact, the word companion, uh, companionship comes from two Latin words that together translate as bread and together. So our whole idea of friendship, mm. companionship comes from this idea of eating together around a table. Um, so that's, it was meant to be an introductory message okay. into, yeah. into the series. Well, I, I think now uh, you've inspired me to say that we need to have a meal on Church Unscripted. Maybe we can do hey, that uh, sounds good. ones challenge or something like that. Oh. Coming up. Yeah, see. Can you handle the heat? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This we'll guy see. can. I know that. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll drop out like the first bottle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. So, so I, I have kind of a question for you because we did talk about a table. Um, maybe we can reflect a little bit on our experiences around the table. So what, what are some um, valuable conversations? Who have you had them with? Where have you had them? Um, you mentioned this morning that you've got a visual like picture memory um, and you gave an illustration about uh, where you met Heather and, and everything with that. So what, what, um, what kind of impact did those conversations have on your life? Not necessarily just Eric, sure, but sure. David as well, of course. There, there's so many when I think about tables, I, I think like my whole life, I've loved a good cup of coffee and I, I used to think it was around the coffee, but I think it was more so around the table. I was realizing that today as like, I always associated coffee with connection, but I think the table is actually where that conversation takes place and how important that is. And I, I can think about, uh, times that I've sat down for coffee with mentors, um, or, or even like as a young man, like, uh, people that were leading in our youth group um, that really spoke truth over me. I can think mm -hmm. about, um, there is one specific table experience that's like so fresh in my mind as soon as you say table. And that's when I asked my father-in-law to marry my yeah, wife. Yeah. And he was like deathly ill. Oh no. And so I already knew like, I, I'm testing my chances. And I, so He's not a coffee guy, but I asked him to coffee. So we're sitting there and uh, he doesn't feel well. And he goes, and I say, well, I guess we know why we're here. <laughs> and he's like, yep. No facial expression, anything. Oh, and I was no. like, so can I marry your daughter? And he just, he's like, sits for a second and he goes, yeah. <laughs> we're really happy for you. Yeah. But he was so sick that he had no, no. But so like, there's so many different things. Like there's, there's been a lot in my life, even, 
people in in our home. Like we've had life groups in our home where we're doing a big groups push. Um, we would have meals together and just uh, being able to build relationship. And one of the things that I think is cool about opening up your own home and your own table is that you have an opportunity to speak into other people, but at the same time, like you, you never really know how much you're going to get from the people that you invite to your table. So like there's been moments when we've had people at our table that we're, we're speaking into, but then there's other times when we invite people to our table and they're the ones speaking into us. And so it's kind of cool to, and like, it's usually unexpected. And, yeah, and it's saying. not, and yeah. it's not like a one-sided thing. And and I think that's really cool because the table creates conversation, and it's not necessarily a um, like a platform or anything. Right. It's just right. it's really <clears throat> relational. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What about so, you? Well, you know, Mel. Yeah. I mean, there's several of those instances. In fact, as you were talking, I was thinking about the very first time that. I had a conversation with you two about coming to work here at Brookside. I met you at a Starbucks. Yep. And at that point, I don't think we've ever communicated before. Nope. Nope. Somebody recommended you yep. to me. And so we met at a Starbucks and yep. I remember that table. I remember the weather about that. Talk yep. about my, those details that I remember. And then I remember you, we met at a, I think together we met John, we met at, John a, at a, at a yeah. Mexican restaurant up in Angola or something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Auburn. Yeah. And I, I just think some of those most critical conversations happen around the table, which is really important. My question actually kind of responding to this is, does, I mean, there's different seasons of our life, right? Mm. And so Right now, for us to have people over at our house all the time, as much as we love to do that, that's a huge undertaking. I mean, I know that's the case with you guys too because you have young kids in your home, right? Yes. And it's not just kids in your home. It's, it's we have wives who love to present a, a clean home, which I appreciate that about our wives, but that means it's an entire day of cleaning and, and so forth and getting yeah. ready. And then there's the cooking on top of that. So is, is it okay at certain seasons in our life to view like a restaurant's table as our table or that platform to, I mean, can you do that or does it have to be in your home? Well, it doesn't, I have to be. That's a very strong yeah. word. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would say this. I say the thing, if someone's hearing like, oh, I need someone to be in my space and I don't feel comfortable with that. Here's what I would say is um, conversations happen around a table. So it doesn't really matter where the table's at. Um, I always, and I, I always encourage people to have people in the home. I grew up in a messy house. My mom's watching this. I mean, it was messy sometimes. I mean, we were homeschooled and we were always around. So we were making messes twice as much. Oh yeah. Right, David? Yep. <laughs> See? Well, that's my wife. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> but, but so, so, my parents taught me that just because something's a mess, you shouldn't invite mm. someone in. Yeah. And so we had people over all the time. But again, if that's, if that's the barrier to connection, go to the coffee shop, go to the yeah. restaurant, go somewhere where you're around a table and, and you're able to host or you're able to encourage someone. Mm. Um, I would say anywhere a table is, is the table. I mean, it could be in the church building here yeah. in the cafe. It could be anywhere. Um, the, the, the thing that you can't forsake is the thing that's deeper than just the fact that you're sitting at a table. It's the connection that you're providing to the other people, mm, yeah. that, that, that opportunity for presence yeah. with others. You don't want to just get rid of that because you're like, oh, I, I, I feel overwhelmed in yeah. my house. Well, if you feel overwhelmed in your house, then do it somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. But don't forget about the presence because yeah. it's going to make you more overwhelmed because you need connection with mm. other people, um, in the body of Christ. And, one thing you just said earlier, you were talking about Jesus was always going to or at or coming from a meal. And I think it's important to, for us to realize that we have three meals a day every week. Um, and one of the things I particularly try to do um, is have at least one meal a week with someone that's a friend that has no um, agenda or there's no like, this is the purpose of this meeting. You ever go in a meeting, you ever go meeting with someone and you're like, okay, I got to talk about these five things. Yep. Yeah. No agenda, just once a week, whatever. And it's different people, mm -hmm. but I think we would do better to have times at the table that there isn't an agenda. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that would open us up to what, you know, you were talking about this morning with Jesus and how he basically was eating and drinking. I don't think it says eating and drinking and then had a five point agenda with the person he was meeting with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he wanted to lead them to God, right? And tell them, share the gospel, but that was about it. So, yeah. yeah. To go back to the point about the messy house, one thing that 
Katie and I, we always struggled with that because, like, I grew up in a home. Um, my mom is also watching, but it it was very clean. <laughs> yeah. Like, everything was always in a place before somebody came over, and I love that. Um, but then, as a f- as a family with young kids, a, a lot of them, uh, we we started feeling like, well, we can't bring people in here because our house is a mess. Mm-hmm. And a friend of ours challenged us to just let people in how it is because that's a that's a level of transparency. Yeah. And so I would encourage people that maybe feel like a little exposed when somebody comes over and there's like shoes by the door or there's a a an a, a dirty shirt on the on the stairwell, whatever that is, like I'm not saying be a slo- be sloppy, but like there's an element of like if the dishes aren't fully done by the time they come in, like it's okay. It's okay. Right. Like yeah. let release yourself of the pressure yeah. because what we notice is when we when we started, we would say, okay, we want to have these people over, and we would just let our house. Like if we couldn't get to the house cleaning, we couldn't get to the house cleaning. The people came in. We still had a great conversation around the table. Our kids mm-hmm. still had fun, mm-hmm. and no one's like saying like, man, maybe yeah. you should like do the dishes, right. like. That's I don't think people really come in with that. Well, so it's almost like what I spoke about last week with Mary and Martha is like if you feel like you always have to be Martha, right. like cleaning up the house and stir crazy, and you're not focused on the people present in your home, yeah. then maybe you do go to another space so you can physically be present, yeah. mentally be present, emotionally be present. Right. And so that's the kind of the balance. I think yeah. what you're trying to say is is that being at the table is your whole person is at the table. You're focused at who's at the table rather than focused at, oh, I got to go do my laundry or oh, I got to go do this. And so anything that keeps us from that spinning, that wheel spinning, I think is a, it yeah. is good. Yeah. Like in the sense that it doesn't have to be at home. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that the part of the home thing is there is some vulnerability. Yeah. There's, um, you mentioned and I mentioned like some family of origin stuff going on. Um, I think we all have something we bring to the table. Oh, that's another <laughs> Bring to the table. Stop, stop. As far as... It's not a dad jokes. <laughs> I know. It's not a dad jokes <laughs> podcast. All right. So... so That might be a good idea, though. So, yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So, so we have things that we bring with us that are maybe not... We're, we're assuming the person coming into our home has the same childhood, same background, yeah. Yeah. and they don't. Mm-hmm. And they don't even notice the things that we're talking about. Right. You know, or we're thinking about, like you said... They don't care that you didn't do the dishes or whatever it might be. Um, I think I think the difficulty and something that's not addressed yet, but I know you're going to address at some point in, in the series, mm-hmm. is the biggest thing I see is that there seems to be barriers to being at the table. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what you guys think some of those barriers are. Like maybe it's, it's big picture things like uh, an attitude of I want to be comfortable and I'm not comfortable around other people or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, what, what do you guys think some of those barriers are? Uh, it's a really good question. Um, I, I think for some people it's uh, several different kinds of insecurities. Mm. For example, if, if the table is meant to represent and point people towards the culture and DNA and values of your home, if you're not proud of those things, then you don't want to expose people to them. Mm-hmm. If your marriage is not strong, um, if your kids are um, so misbehaved and you know it, then why would you invite people into your home to experience that kind of dysfunction, right? And so I think there's a lot of fear of presenting to the world an image or a reality that's different than the image that you want to present. Now, when we go to a restaurant, you can put on whatever image you want to. And you can fake it as much as you want to. But when people come into your home, they, knew, they do notice things. We're perceptive people, right. right? So I think there's insecurity in that. I think it's also um, a pressure point of showing a level of hospitality mm-hmm. and generosity that some of us aren't comfortable showing yet. Mm-hmm. And so we're afraid of, are they going to be entertained? Or mm-hmm. are they going to be satisfied? Are they going to like the food that I make? Yeah. What if what if my house isn't big enough or as big as their house is? Are they going to be embarrassed? Eric, Eric, you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to stop you halfway. No, you're fine. What you just said sounds exhausting. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you're thinking about all that, that's why I'm listening. I'm I'm exhausted just listening to that. It's such a difficult ministry to have because it's like thinking about all those things. What's interesting is as you were saying that, (coughs) you you talk about Jesus going to meals and yeah, all that all those things, and I'm thinking about. How many times Jesus just showed up and said, "Oh, I'm going to your house today." That's right. 
Like, do you think coming in? Yeah, but like, do you think that was almost an intentional uh, way of relationship because, like, people would have that weight on themselves to be like, oh, this is the, you know, Messiah, and my house needs to be perfect. Like, yeah, I picture right. Zacchaeus, like he climbed a tree yeah. to see Jesus, and then Jesus is like, hey, come down. Oh, let's right. go to your house. Mm-hmm. Like, there's got to be sure. I don't know. I don't think Jesus and Zacchaeus would have ever had a meal if Jesus wasn't like, hey, I'm coming here to your house. I don't know what this, mm-hmm. I mean, he's God, so he knew, but like, I don't know what the state of your house is, but I'm coming over. Like, I don't know. Yeah, so, so absolutely. When I, was, when I was a kid, my parents um, would invite people over frequently. Like, I felt like it was a lot. And then got to the point where I was in high school and college and it was like an three times a week thing or whenever I was at home, yeah, there was people over. Um, and it got to the point where the barrier to generosity wasn't there anymore. I feel like, like mm-hmm. the example that they gave, they did something that I thought was hilarious. I, I shared this one time, I think here, um, my dad would say FHB, which sounds like a curse word or an yeah, acronym or something, right? <laughs> yeah. It's family hold back because my mom would have been making food, couldn't go to the store and people showed up. Right. Or people came over. They invited someone over after she started making dinner. I mean, last minute. And it's like, okay, hold back. We only have six chicken breasts and we have eight people here. So we got to figure out who's (laughs) going to eat what. Those in half or something. Yeah, exactly. And I started to realize that in some ways that's the the base of generosity. If you told someone like, hey, we already started making dinner. We don't necessarily have enough, but we want to have you over and we'll make sure you're fed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How many people would feel awkward about that? Yeah. Everybody. I would. I would now. But my parents did it all the time and I was always like, yeah. You're crazy. Mm. But then I realized some of it was the background that they came from, the people that they saw, the people that they witnessed that had nothing. And they're like, we have so much more than nothing. So why do we even yeah. care? So I think I think it's a there's a perspective shift mm. that we need to have. So let me ask you guys a question about this. So there's a perspective shift. You mentioned messes at the table. You talked about the fork mm-hmm. in the table, which honestly my table has some fork scratch marks. Yeah. You talk about drawings on the table. Mm-hmm. Like what's the perspective shift that we need regarding messes or um, things that we've witnessed at our table or the messes in uh, the dynamics of having a gathering in our home? It's messy. I've had people come over and it didn't go well. Yeah. I mean, what what keeps us going? Like what, sh- why should we keep going and keep having people at our table? I think, I think because we see the value of the relational benefit as more valuable than saving face. Sometimes I think we just need to get over ourselves because I mean, I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not suggesting that you don't clean your house up. Right. I'm not suggesting that you don't present a, a put together home because you want it to be inviting and comfortable. Right. And if there's stuff everywhere, that's going to be stressful. Right. So I'm not saying, okay, but, but I think we, we allow that to trump the value of the conversation, the relationship that's going to develop in the two or three hours we're together with them. So some of us just need to get over ourselves and not worry so much about what their impression of us is going to be. Because if we would go over to their house and they had some dishes left in the sink, or if they didn't have everything cleaned up the right way, we would never condemn them for it. We would not walk in in anybody's home and say, what? You didn't vacuum? We're out. You know, we would never do that. We'd be like, who cares? It doesn't matter. We're just glad to be with you guys. And I think if, if we can start to view the, the, our guests coming into our home, they're going to be just as generous to us as we would be with them, right? Mm-hmm. And so stop putting so much pressure and stress on ourselves and instead get excited about the opportunity that we have to show generosity, hospitality, love. I, I think that's a big deal. Um, um, so, so, even, so even to develop that a little bit further, so what about those of us, and either one of you guys can kind of answer this or, yeah. or we'll discuss it, but what about those of us that have some type of traumatic experience from mm. inviting someone over? Mm. Or maybe we had a hypercritical parent that used to, you know, I hate to say it this way, but probably, I mean, bark at us about how things weren't clean. Yeah. Or we have a critical family member, something like that. How can we overcome that part of it um, if we already invited someone into our home and it didn't go well? You know that side comment, just the one person that yeah. decides to be overly critical, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you know, you, 
I'm, I'm, I'll use my wife as an example. It's not her, but just metaphorically, like my wife saying, well, I'm never inviting them over because mm. yeah. this is the way they talk to us. You know? Well, you know, that, that's a good question. I've got a follow-up question for that, but I, I want to respond if I can to that. Um, actually, what was your question again? The, 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 so so how do we how do we overcome yeah, 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 like yeah. the traumatic yeah. experience yeah. or the critical person one of the things that that I think Heather and I have done well is we've recognized each other's strengths and weaknesses so um, Heather has has mentioned that she deals with a little bit of social anxiety mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of people do that that's not a knock on her or anybody right so it's just the fear of of you know, being entertaining and making sure that people aren't bored you know that kind mm-hmm. of stuff um, I honestly I don't think I have that. And maybe that's a curse as much as it is a blessing. So I'm like, bring everyone over, let's go, you know? And so I think what we can do is we can encourage and balance each other out. And so if I sense that she's got some social anxiety, I'll try to pick up the conversation and carry it more myself. Mm -hmm. And that's usually not a problem for me. My wife sometimes accuses me of interrogating people as opposed to having conversations with people. Oh yeah, questions. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we were were at dinner um, the other night with uh, another pastor in town and his wife. And about 90% of the conversation was just him and I talking. And I think our wives were like, why are we here? You know? And so we don't have a problem talking. But I think that that's an, another question. Do you think that there is something... Um, <clears throat> actually, go ahead and respond to us, and then I want to ask you guys another question. Uh, repeat the question. <laughs> what, how do you, how question. do you overcome like that hypercritical person that comes in your home, oh, you know, a bad yeah. experience, or yeah. a critical parent or family member? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know if there's a magic mm-hmm. pill for that, but I think we have to display the heart of Jesus in that and just show grace. Yeah. And it's really hard when, um, when you, when you have families over and their kids draw on the walls and you know, you're just like, Hey, thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't invite Scratch them. Your heart yeah, with yeah. It's floor, like, right. yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, maybe let's think, let's rethink that. But at the same time, it's like, well, that, those are like the people that are the hardest to love are probably the ones that we should be loving, um, more. And so I would just say, give grace to people and continue to just open the home. Ooh, that's a good point. I do have a question that might sound like it's a counter to what you're saying, but I don't think it is. Okay. Okay. Is there ever a, is there ever a time where there's somebody you should not invite into your home? Uh, into your home around your kids? Is that kind of what you're asking? Could be, yeah. Okay. So... Um, a few different circumstances. I have a broad experience. You both know that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as being around different people uh, with different backgrounds, I think there's a few things. Um, safety. Mm-hmm. And when I say safety, I mean someone bringing illegal drugs into your home or potentially uh, firearms that you don't want in your home. You know, people conceal and carry all the time, but this could be different. Um, or someone that's been overly violently as a pastor. I mean, there's been times where I've been called and, hey, I got to walk into the situation. Well, I'm not coming to, having them come to my house. I'm going to go to them and, and deal with it. Um, for a while, uh, I was in a situation where I didn't really want my address out for something I was doing. I was on a board that there was people that were violent or had addictions. And so um, I wouldn't want them to come to my house and... Mm influence my kids. That's not exactly the question you're saying, but it's, 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 high, it's, it's yeah. close. Um, let me put it this way. Um, I've done some very uncomfortable things in inviting people into my home. So one, I, I'm asthmatic. You can even sense nasally how nasally I am today. Um, but I've invited plenty of people that smoke into my home. I've invited people that maybe were, um, on the fringe. Maybe they were somehow involved in drugs, but I just didn't know they had it on their person or I didn't think that they would bring that. Um, but also how is that going to influence your children? And many of us err on the side of safety, like, oh, if this person's going to say something, I don't want my kids to hear. I just won't invite them over at all. The problem is I don't think Jesus was like that. A lot of people said things Jesus didn't want to (laughs) hear. Right. And he turned that into a teachable moment. And I think as, even as parents, we need to realize that there are moments to be teachable. The, the key thing with safety is it's dangerous. Is someone going to harm you? Is someone going to harm your kids? That's mm-hmm. literally the only line. And I think it's a little bit more um, further than many of us take it in the sense that like, oh, this person's going to say this, so I just don't want them around me at all. Um, there's also toxically 
emotionally abusive situations, sometimes family members that really you're setting boundaries by saying they can't come in your home. So that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. That's a different situation. But um, if you're talking about the, the random stranger or the person that you, that you meet somewhere, it's really comes down to, you know, drugs and weapons. <laughs> okay. That sounds crazy. I'm just saying it. Sure. I don't know yeah. what else. What if, what if somebody has, have, has a completely different set of values than you do, but yet their confidence in their values is stronger than your confidence in your values? Like what if, what if you're a brand new Christian? What if you're just getting to know Jesus and you're like, you know what, I'm going to take this challenge mm -hmm. and I'm going to invite some people in my home and I'm going to share Jesus with them. What if the person you invite in your home is stronger in their beliefs against Jesus than you are in your beliefs for Jesus? Do you invite them into your home still? Yes. Okay. The, the, but, the moment I've had the most growth is when I was challenging my faith. Well, and, so, and we can't discount the power of the Holy Spirit in us sure. either. And so even as a, even as a new Christian or somebody who may not be firm in our faith, like I believe the Holy Spirit can sustain that conversation and it may give you greater perspective um, to love those people that view differently than you too. But he, I, here's I the know. underlying thing that you're, mm -hmm. you're not mentioning is we don't have to have all the answers. And I think, especially when you talk about a new believer, yeah. I think a lot of us want to have the answers that we can give these people because we genuinely love Jesus and we want them to know Jesus, but they're just not listening to us and they're more confident about this other thing that they believe in. Mm -hmm. And so I think in that moment, it kind of humbles us to the point of saying, you know, I don't know about that, but you know, I'm, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to, I'm going to read more of the Bible because that's the base of what I'm, I'm sharing from this because I believe this mm -hmm. is the grounding of all life. Mm -hmm. Is there any instance in the gospels where Jesus would not sit down with somebody at a table? Can you think of any instance? Well, I think of the temple when he tossed tables <laughs> That's a good example. <laughs> why, why did he toss tables? They were using the tables for the wrong purpose. So what you're telling me is based upon really the only instance that Jesus tossed tables instead of sat down at one is when his table, which meant to be for his glory and his purposes, i.e. your table and my table, right. was, was being used for contrary purposes. Are you suggesting Jesus won't sit down at our table if we're choosing to use it for ulterior purposes? I don't. I don't think that's true. Wow, because, I mean, that's Jesus, a big Jesus application. Down, that's yeah, like taking a whole. Jesus <laughs> sat down with tax collectors. I mean, that's what people say: a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so, I don't think that's in that Luke. Well, it doesn't even just say that. It says he's a glutton and a drunkard. I mean, they. Just, that's what they were thinking because right. he was sitting. Yeah, he was sitting with tax collectors and sinners. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's a spot where Jesus wouldn't sit down with people but i mean like with the with the temple in particular like that was that was a holy place and so that's when he gets righteously angry is when you they were trying to turn a profit on what was meant for worship mm -hmm. and so i think those two are a little bit different maybe okay not apples well, to apples well Fair enough. there is there is some parallels in the sense that what turned into the communion table was a meal you know, I grew up, I grew up Grace Brethren and we would feet wash, we'd have a meal and then we'd take communion. Mm -hmm. So it was threefold communion. And so a lot of that was looking at John chapter 13 when he washes their feet. And then also the fact that they always had a meal. Yep. I mean, the first communion was a meal that mm -hmm. led to communion. And so I think in essence, if we're taking the table that's mm -hmm. sacred, that space in our home yeah. that we are meeting together um, and we're taking it and we're using it for bad purposes, I'll use a, just a basic word, but then I do think in some ways, Jesus like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I mean, that sounds a little bit far. That's a little bit different than what you said, but I don't think it's just from that principle. I think there's moments where he's like, you know, get away from me. He's talking to demons. He's like, get away from me. And so they have nothing to do with him because they're following Satan, not, not Jesus. And so I think there are moments like that. Let me, let me pivot a little bit. I've had people at my table that I got the sense that there was an evil spirit or evil things and purposes that they had. And it's a little bit freaky because in that moment when I'm like, oh, God's revealing this to me. And I'm like, I don't want them at my table. You know, do you know what I'm saying? It's the difference between someone seeking God or seeking, mm -hmm. maybe not knowing Jesus, maybe even having a different faith background or something. Mm -hmm. um, but 
what do we do when we get to that point, maybe? Like when we're like, I don't know if I like what's happening at my table. You know, like, I mean, most of us probably are going to be like, leave right now. You know, when I was a kid, if a movie's bad, just leave. You know, like that's what people say. It's like, well, you can't do that at your own table. Mm-hmm. So it's super uncomfortable. So, so I think we're overly selective because of that. So like, how do we, mm-hmm. how do we overcome that if that does happen? We invite someone in and then we're like, this is not good. Oh man, that, that's a hard scenario. Um, <laughs> here, here's the first thing I believe and it's theological. I believe that um, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world, right? Mm-hmm. right. And I think that's actually um, a, a biblical precedent set, especially in the New Testament or the Old Testament, where different regions were controlled by different kind of deities. Yeah. And that was the belief in that day. And I'm, I'm thinking that there's some, I think there's some credibility to that, substance to that. And so if, if when the temple was built, there are certain things that God mm-hmm. commanded his people to do to sanctify each of the articles in the temple and the temple itself. And I think that was to say that this space, this literal space is dedicated for the glory of God. He has the authority and the glory in this space. And I think if you do that in your home, then all of a sudden you declare that the Holy Spirit has the authority in this place. And even if somebody comes in your home with ulterior spirits in their life, then they're, they're, running up against the, the higher power of the Holy Spirit. So I think that can comfort us. But the other thing is I think- So that, pause for a second. Okay. How do we practically do that? Like, I mean, I mean, do we spend time in prayer as a family? I, I, think, I think that's If you're married important. as yeah. a couple, I mean, like it sounds like it's over our home and our space. And I'm just yeah. thinking of how many times, like, like I've had someone pray over my home, but I mean like- right. What what does that, what does that mm-hmm. practically look like? Because I think some people in church will go like, well, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think when you know somebody's coming over and you are concerned about that, I think you and your spouse needed to spend time in praying. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, as they're sitting at our table, I pray that you will use us, protect us first, and then use us to present your truth to them, you know, whatever that is. But I also think it's a it's a, an act of family repentance or even personal repentance. Mm-hmm. If you have brought sin into your home, mm-hmm. you've invited the demonic to have some kind of influence. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a, an act of purification. That's probably why, that's a big reason why in the Old Testament, there are purification rituals. It's not just because you want to do a religious thing. It's because there's some real effect of the spiritual world on the physical world and vice versa. And I think it's a matter of purifying your home to some degree. Um, Now, what do you do if you get in your conversation and and you're like, uh, this is going sideways really quick. Just as I think that there's an art of conversation, I think there's an art of ending a conversation. What what does it mean to, how how do you end a conversation gracefully, diplomatically without them understanding, hey, they're just trying to get rid of me. I don't know. It's a I re- skill. It, well, yeah, I mean, David, David, it's because you're a good listener, though. Yeah. Let's be honest. You're yeah, a good listener. You are. So you're like, you're like, uh. But then I'm like, okay, are we in the middle of eating? Are we, oh. Did we finish eating? Yeah. Like, you know, because you don't want to make excuses. Like, that's the other thing is I feel like, you know, it could be really easy to just be like, Oh, kids need to go to bed. Yeah. It's only 6.30 though. Ah, oh, yeah, they just got to get to bed. You know, it's like, uh-huh. that hey, seems really... I have a very specific situation that you <laughs> I, I need to describe after you're saying that. Because <laughs> my wife at our, at our old house invited people over for a block party. All my neighbors are basically senior citizens except for one other family on the block. Um, he was a pastor of another church. He, their family couldn't make it. They had softball or something. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting out in my front yard... And I said, I don't know the faith background of any of my neighbors, except for some of them say, oh, I'll go to this church or that, yeah. whatever. I'm sitting out there. We got all this meal. It's like a potluck. Um, you know what's really good about a potluck with a bunch of older people? They bring they have really the best good food. food. It's yeah. delicious. I'm like, what is this stuff? We never eat this. This is amazing. So we're sitting there. I go to stand up and I go to pray. I pray for the food. I pray for my neighbors. I pray for our street. I get done with the prayer. And I'm like, yeah, we can get in line. We can get some food. There's a lot of people there. And this woman stands up. She's 81. And she goes, I've been a Democrat my whole life. And if any of you got a problem with that, then I'm just going to leave. That was the first thing that started off our block party. That's <laughs> it was very, yeah. very interesting. I realized in that moment that there's, there's some generational things that we're fighting around the table. That you, that you didn't know about. That I didn't know about. So in oh, that okay. moment, everyone else, everyone else was fine with that. 
even though we're kind of in a red Republican state, let's just put it right. that way. And everyone else was like, oh, okay. And like moved on. But it's because they were older and they were okay with having disagreements around things that didn't matter as much like politics um, and, and other things related to that. So we had this block party and we had Catholics and we had a Hindu and we had the, like different mm -hmm. people, faith backgrounds, Lutherans. And we realized that we could come together and, and be in community together. And it was a great opportunity. That was scared me so bad because I was like, this is going downhill and we have two more hours with these people and I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. And like, I panicked a little bit, but I realized in that moment that she was super bold and like, mm. this is how it is, but it's because she'd been so rejected in that community yeah. and we were just providing an opportunity for her to be received. Mm -hmm. So I would say my gut reaction to that was, I want to get out of here my Jesus reaction and what he did with Zacchaeus and, and the people he's in meals with is I'm just going to lean in more. And we ended up having a great time. People wouldn't leave our house. We're like, yeah. okay, you got to leave. Like you have yeah. to leave now. Like, well, I really appreciate that story because I think a lot of us are scared to invite somebody into our home that has different kind of values, especially a different faith background. Yeah. But what I just heard from you is that you could still enjoy the dinner with the Hindu <laughs> uh, with people with different faith backgrounds, not as a way of saying, hey, your Hinduism is fine. You know, all roads lead to heaven, nothing yeah. like that. But you would never have the opportunity to even talk about Jesus with them unless you first built that relationship with them. Yeah. Right. And so I think that was a critical step. And I suspect that if, if um, you were still neighbors with those people, yeah. th that relationship would have only progressed. Well, and, and the other part of it was, I was very open about it. I was like, we're people of faith. I'm a pastor. They didn't know I was a pastor. So I kind of, like threw that in at the block party, right? <laughs> uh -huh. It was great. But but I prayed and no one rejected that prayer. Like yeah. everyone actually bowed their head and closed their eyes. I don't know if it was like yeah. out of respect or what it was, but I think, I think it's something important. You shouldn't change who you are mm. in your faith just because you invite someone in your home with a different mm -hmm. background or a faith background or whatever. So yeah. um, so Eric, Eric, I have a, I have a question that is... Um, I don't know. I think it's very interesting. So Jesus here, this is actually Jesus saying this, but he's saying other people are saying this about him. So can I, can I read that verse 34 that you focus on? Mm -hmm. The son of man has come eating and drinking and you say, and you say this other people, look at him, a glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Um, the uh, experience of communal meals, like Jesus valued eating and drinking with others that maybe the world had forgotten or the, even the church, or in this case, Jews had forgotten. Um, and that was part of his redemptive plan. So how does that challenge our perspective on communal meals together? I mean, what would it be like? I'm, I'm not throwing this out here as a real thing to have a meal with everyone that comes to Brookside on a Sunday morning. You know what? That's you know? we did that earlier in the summer with our summer blast opportunity. We had yeah. a service outside, and then mm -hmm. people had all their food on their picnic. Uh, not they wouldn't have picnic tables. Picnic blankets. There yeah, we go. Kind of yeah. like a table. Yep. Yep. But it was it was incredibly enjoyable because you got to rub shoulders with a ton of people. Mm -hmm. Everybody was having a great time. But more than that, there is this common bond of Jesus is what binds us together. And so the conversations were uplifting and encouraging. Um, and I think, I think the whole idea of communal dinner together has more meaning in Jesus day than it does today. Yeah. Because to be invited into a communal meal back in the day was not just to say, hey, come and eat food at my table. It was, I want to invite you mm. as an embraced person in my world. And so Jesus was inviting the sinner to be on the same playing field, the same level of value mm -hmm. as everyone else around that mm -hmm. table, including himself. Mm. And that was an important thing. So when you're inviting a group of people together, it's, yeah, you might have different jobs. You might have different incomes, different bank account amounts. You might have different um, experiences, but at this table, we are all equal together in that whole communal place. And that's the point of the cross is we're, we're all equal at the foot of the cross and our communal meals are meant to kind of display that and reflect that reality. Yeah. Do you think uh, we, we took communion? Yeah. Uh, do you think that we've... Um, we've kind of missed the opportunity of communion by making it a little juice packet and cracker. Uh, Cause I feel like the last supper was a meal. Like it was, it was together. It was with the community. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. How do, we, how do we kind of, I mean, you, yeah. you mentioned the United brethren, like the three, three part community. I'm not necessarily suggesting that, but I think maybe we, 
we've missed out on some of what the do this in remembrance of me actually means? Like, do you think there's more to communion oh my than goodness. just what have, we Have you ever had morning? a Seder meal? I've not participated. No, have you ever had a no. Seder meal? So a Seder meal is when a Messianic Jew comes to your church or group or whatever, and they actually lay out the entire Passover meal before you. And it was a massive undertaking. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, you have to cook the, the bread at, in the right way. You, got, you can't do it with the yeast. I mean, there's so many Old Testament mm-hmm. undertones to this. There's, there's a part of the meal that is hidden. There's something that is sweet that the kids go and find and stuff. Then there's a bitter part of the meal and there's so much meaning and value to it. And all of it points to Jesus and the crucifixion, right? Right. You can't get that with a teeny little cup and a little tiny square of bread, right? But if you, if, if we ever have the opportunity of bringing a Messianic Jew in here, who can walk us through a Seder meal. Mm -hmm. We will understand really the depth and the breadth of what communion in Jesus mind actually means. And, and there's, and we still won't get it yeah. because there's so much cultural and Jewish heritage stuff related to it that yeah. we just won't get. Well, it. and so so to develop this a little bit further, I mean, have we lost what the meaning of a meal at the table is? Oh yeah. I mean, I like what, yeah. as you describe that, and you and we we're looking at a, a, a Bible that was written by Jews for us Gentiles, but for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I read this and I think. If Jesus was always at a meal and that has the most meaning, you know, when, when we choose to do something where we don't get a meal together as a family at the table, what does that look like? Mm. What does the rhythm of that look like? You know, I heard someone recently that the book that um, we've all been reading, Habits of the Household, has one thing about being at the table and it talks about lighting a candle. And when you light mm-hmm. the candle, you let the candle go down. But when the candle's on, this is family conversation. And when that candle goes out is when the meal's over. Right. I mean, what does that look like to have a meaningful meal, even with your own family? Maybe the table right now, some of us are just longing for just a meal with our own family. It's not even about inviting people in yet. It's we haven't had a meaningful meal with our family in some time. That's, That's where the table can become not healthy. It can become toxic. I mean, we've read our New Testament. One of the things that Paul writes to a church, remind me what church it is when, when they're misusing um, the Lord's Supper. It says one of you eats a ton and somebody goes without First eating. First Corinthians. A, yeah, right. yeah. I was going to say we That's were right. just talking about it backstage this week. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how do we? How can we allow our table to become relationally toxic and and personally selfish as opposed to generous and hospitable as it was meant to be? You know, you know what I'm asking. Well, I, I, I think there is a, yes, I do get where you're asking. I think, I think there's a point where it's about us versus about who we're inviting in. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, I want to invite that couple over because they'll be fun. Or I'm going to do this. Like you were talking about like earlier, thinking about how are we going to entertain them and this and that. And I'm like, I don't necessarily think of that. I just kind of go with the flow. But I know in my wife's mind, it's like, how are we going to entertain them? Are we playing a game? Are we doing this? Or are we going to be in the backyard? Are we starting a fire? Wait, all those things are running through our heads. And I think there is a point where Jesus, every time he goes into someone's home or he's invited into someone's home, He's there for them less than they're there for him. That's even Martha's case. He says, hey, slow down, basically. And, and in some ways, she's like, oh, I'm here to serve you. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, like, I'm here for you, Martha. I love you. Mm-hmm. you know. And I think, I think there's a flip there. I mean, I, I can't think of many situations in my life where I've invited someone over for selfish reasons, but I think that there probably is some. Mm. You know, I don't know. I don't, maybe I just am not aware of them. Um, but how many times do we do that? You know, like, oh, I'm doing this because I've got an agenda. I think Jesus came to the table and his only agenda was, I want you to see the son of man, to use the term you just used this morning, to, for who he is. Mm-hmm. And hear the gospel and be saved and be with me forever. And you, you kind of ended on a note with that. I, I don't know if we can go into that a little bit, but. Sure, sure. So what you're saying though is, is your table is not meant for you. You don't invite guests over mm. for you. You invite guests over for them. And so yeah. your table now becomes a way that you serve other mm-hmm. people. And so that's why you go last to get your food. You let your guests see it first. And the mm-hmm. conversation is meant to encourage them, not so that you can have a platform to lecture and, mm-hmm. and to entertain everyone yourself. So I, I just think it's an interesting concept of mm-hmm. that it's your table in your home. 
but just like Jesus, it's meant to serve other people for their sake, not for your yeah. sake. Okay. Yeah. So I'm saying, so you ended talking about the marriage supper of the lamb. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if we can go more into that because I was, oh, yeah. there's a lot of imagery and you just barely mm -hmm. tapped on it at the yeah. end there. Right. I was, I kept thinking about it. I was very uh, curious about how those run parallel because it really, it, I think it's really challenging. I was challenged that the table in my home is the centerpiece of hospitality in my home. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not any other space. We, we our, our family uh, had a very small table for a long time. And now we have this big table that has leaves and can go really long. Yeah. And we can have tons of people out, right? Um, and the only purpose of having that table was exactly what you're saying, to invite people in. We didn't get that table to have ourselves sit at it. You know, it's, it's got more seats than we have in our family, you know, on purpose. So what what ways or what avenues can we compare maybe the marriage supper of the lamb and the hospitality that Jesus provides for all eternity for us and the seat at the table to the seat at the table that we can provide others. Maybe the person that we're uncomfortable with coming over the first time, mm -hmm. you know, maybe that just doesn't fit. Oh, I know all of us have invited someone over and we're like, we just don't connect with that person. And then we invite them over and we're like, oh, they're kind of interesting. Yeah. This isn't, yeah, I connect with this person. How can we run <laughs> no, parallel our table in our home right. and the marriage supper of the lamb, like the, the parallel right. of the picture of that, inviting others mm -hmm. to a seat at the table like Jesus did for us? Yeah. I think you got to go ahead. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, well, I, I think practically I, I'm just thinking like, you know, when we, we have a large family, so when we look at our table, we look at, well, we have, we have 10 seats at our table and our family takes seven. So how, so we can really only invite, you know, three people over if we're looking at it that way. Um, but I think whenever you, like whenever we've opened our home, we're thinking like, how can we add seats to the table to encourage more community or to encourage more relationship? And so I think practically it's, it's not limiting yourself by the number of seats that you may have around your table, but being creative with... Like, what does that look like? Can the kids eat on the floor? Can the, you know what I mean? It's just like, there's there's so many different things that you can do. And I think a lot of times um, we can limit ourselves by by looking at what's actually yeah. currently set up. Right. And so I, I would say that that's a parallel to what the never ending table that you, you showed. Mm -hmm. It's just, how can we continue to provide space or create space within our home, even mm -hmm. if it's extending the table or you know, whatever that's that looks right. like. Right. I mean, one of the things that I, I glean from scripture, one of the hearts of God, one of the attributes of the heart of God is that he just wants his table full. I think it drives him nuts when there's a seat at the table that's not occupied. And I yeah. think if we can start by adopting that same kind of mentality, I'm not saying that you have somebody over to your house every night. Okay, that's overwhelming. But it should bother us when, when there's empty seats at our table and we're like, you know what? There's somebody that needs to sit there that we can really influence and encourage. I mean, who can we invite over? And I think it's a matter of having a desire to fill your house, as many seats as you have in the house. Even if some have to sit at the table, others on the couch, others out in the patio, you know, whatever, bring in the card table, yep. fill the house with people. And I know that freaks some people out, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's an attitude of, mm. I have an opportunity and I have the space, I've got the resources to touch as many people's lives as possible. I, I heard a story and it was really cool. Um, it's kind of like the block party idea, but it was like a, it was an Easter or a Thanksgiving in somebody's apartment complex on their floor. Um, they put their table out in the hallway uh, and then the next door neighbor put their table out. And then before long, the entire hallway was filled with these tables brought out by families and they each just kind of brought something into it. And it was these it was a beautiful picture of community. And I just, I just think the heart of God is mm -hmm. I want my table filled yeah. and I'm not satisfied until every seat is occupied. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a great transition to mm -hmm. end our time. Sure. I, I, I definitely think that one of the things that we all struggle with is who to invite to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think we got to start with prayer mm -hmm. um, and definitely have prayer about who we want to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think uh, one one side thing about what both of you said that I think is so important. Um, why 
what things are you, why are you not bringing people to your table? Mm. You know, if, if, if the heart of God is, I want the, what, there's a seat here. What am I going to, how am I going to fill it? Why are you not thinking of who's in that seat? So maybe we start by thinking who needs a seat at our table mm. and practically speaking. And, and, uh, you, you talked about one last thing. Maybe I, maybe I was, That's okay. I, I can never end things. I can't <laughs> land the plane. You talk about one thing, build your own table. Yeah. And you talked about the wood that's just back here. And you talked about, okay, what what does the table represent? And you were talking about, you know, metaphorically speaking. But I think I, as I heard that, I heard a lot of things. I'm like, these are not necessarily things that are everyday the, the Duba family. Right. These are things that we aspire to be. Yeah. And these are things that God has called our family to be. Um, how do you, what would you say to someone that's like, I aspire to be these things, but we're not even close. So I'm just so afraid of inviting someone into this mess. Uh, I don't. I don't think people will be able to spot your values until they experience your mess. The longer that you're the fine Ooh. family, the more you're hiding your values, right? So, yeah. Um, if if you're not willing to invite people into your mess so that you're vulnerable, I mean, we've heard this for so long. The, the moment you're vulnerable is the moment that you become influential. Um, and if you if you don't let people experience some of your, I'm not saying that you have to have a messy house. What I'm saying is when you're around a table, you can talk about who you really are. You don't have it all together. Yeah. yeah. Um, you are broken. Well, and, and your kids are running around Absolutely. like crazy and Absolutely. whatever else is happening. But that's yeah. a perfect doorway into why you need Jesus mm. and why Jesus is the perfect answer for you and your family. And all of a sudden, through your mess, people are experiencing your values, mm. your your culture and the Jesus that is in the center of your home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being with us at Church Unscripted this week. Yeah. I, this was a great conversation. Um, we're really excited about this table series and we hope that you'll follow Church Unscripted as we go through the table this fall. Um, we just encourage you to subscribe, to like, and then hit the notification bell. If you have questions about the table, we would love for you to comment and maybe we'll use those in some of these episodes because they'd be very useful for the table series. Um, so as you go through your week this week, be thinking about who you can invite for a seat at your table.